Hey guys, welcome back to Perfectly Sickled, a show where we discuss adulting with sickle cell and talk about laws related to our topic of the week. I'm your host, Lily Rebecca. Hello, beautiful people. I hope that everyone had a great week last week and that this week is going well. It is a Wednesday hump day. You are halfway through the week, guys. You're almost to the weekend. You can do this. This week, I wanted to come on here and discuss education and sickle cell with you guys because a couple of people have been messaging me and asking me how I got through school with sickle cell and all that that means, specifically how I got through college with my condition and to share any tips or advice that I may have. So for starters, for undergraduate school, I attended North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, ANT or NCAT for short. Aggie pride for all the people who are out there who went to ANT. And for law school, I attended Elon University. ANT is an HBCU while Elon is a PWI. For those who do not know, HBCU stands for Historically Black Colleges and Universities, and PWI stands for Predominantly White Institutions. This is very American. By that I mean HBCUs were created in the United States because for a long time, many American institutions were legally segregated. And even when it was no longer legally required for Blacks and whites to be separated in education, Blacks were denied admittance to certain colleges and universities simply because they were Black. So what did they do to solve this problem? They formed their own prestigious institutions. My HBCU, ANT, was founded March 9, 1891. <laughs> Y'all, the only reason I know that was because I was an orientation leader. And we had to know our school history. Now, don't get me wrong, I love both of the institutions that I chose to attend, and I learned a lot from each of them, not only in academics, but life-wise as well. However, for me, like for many people, my undergrad just has a special place in my heart. Till this day, I think that attending my HBCU, A&T, to obtain my undergraduate degree was the best decision that I made. But I did not always feel that way. Really not until like second semester at ANT, because before then I was ready to go. Growing up, I was that black girl. I went to private school most of my life where oftentimes I was the only black girl in the class. When I got to high school, out of maybe 2,000 or so students, there were at most 150 black students. When I graduated from high school, I was set on going to East Carolina University which is a PWI, but last minute, like two weeks before the deadline, my advisor convinced me to apply to ANT because that's where she went to school, and she talked it up, y'all. So I applied before even visiting or anything. I figured, what do I have to lose? If I don't like it, go on to ECU, right? I visited, and I fell in love, and I decided to go, and it was such a shocker to so many people. Even people in my family were telling my mom, like, why are you letting her attend an HBCU? It was crazy. And my mother, forever my rider, y'all, 
she was like, she makes her own decisions. I trust my child. I read up on the school. I've talked to the staff. I have no worries. I trust my child. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Honestly, I could talk about why I chose to go to ANT all day, but this episode will be hours long without getting to talk about sickle cell. <laughs> so let's talk about it. College, law school, sickle cell. How does this all mix together, right? Before college, I never had to tell a teacher that I had sickle cell. My mother took care of that. She took care of notifying the nurses, the main administration at my schools, and provided the paperwork. So I never had a problem. However, when I got to college, it was a different story. I was not responsible for telling my professors, because after all, I was an adult, right? Quote, unquote. But I did not tell them. I repeat, I did not notify anyone Because in my defense, I had not had my first crisis yet as an adult, and I didn't see the priority in notifying professors of my condition if I didn't get crisis. Now, if you've been with me from the beginning, you know why notifying my professors was an absolute priority that I should have not ignored. If you're new here, hi, welcome. And it was a priority because Sickle cell causes pain crisis, and depending on their severity, these crises may have to be managed at home or in a hospital for a number of days. These pain crises come unannounced. If you know your body and you know how it acts with the condition, then you may know your triggers. But most times, a crisis comes with no warning. This means that if someone with sickle cell has a crisis, they can easily miss more than the number of days they are allowed to miss in a particular class, resulting in them dropping a grade for failing to attend class or worse, resulting in failing the class altogether for lack of attendance. That's why it's best to notify your professors and administrators early. I did not always do this. My first year after my first crisis, I notified all my professors. My second year, I did the same at the beginning of the semester as a heads up to my professors. But the first semester of my sophomore year, y'all, I did not have a crisis that required me to be hospitalized. I managed my crisis in my dorm room. Well, at that point, I had moved out of dorm rooms. So I managed my crisis in my apartment. And I showed up for class the next day, not feeling well, but feeling stable enough, in my opinion, to be present in class. So I never missed class. I felt as though my professors thought that I had bamboozled them. Like I had them on edge for something that did not happen. Like I wanted a predefined excuse or pass in place in case I just didn't want to show up to class. Like I lied And I am not that person. I am absolutely not that person. I hate using my condition as an excuse for anything. I'm persistent and I push through. So my junior year, I gave no warnings to my professors because I didn't want to feel like they felt like I tricked them or that I lied. I waited until something happened 
and then I will contact friends to know the homework assignment so I could be ready for the next class. As far as the homework that I was to turn in on a day that I was absent, I would email the professor and let them know my condition and explain that I will provide them with a hospital note and my assignment during the next class if they would accept it. They all did without a problem every time. And there weren't many times, but they always did. Some didn't even ask for a note because they understood the condition, not just from having heard or read about it, but because they understood it on a personal level. They had a loved one who had it or a friend who had it. And to relate this back to me, that was a perk to going to an HBCU. Professors really related and understood And I had never experienced that before. It was like family. So that was my routine. I said nothing each semester unless it was necessary. Until that routine did not work anymore. I was a senior, I think, at this point, and I missed like three or four classes. And this professor was not having it, y'all. She was the head of the school department that I was in at the time. Her attendance rules were strict. Not only did I miss those classes, I also missed the assignments for those classes and one of the deadlines for my senior project. I had no laptop with me, so I had to ask a friend to notify my professor of my condition and what was going on when she came to visit me in the hospital. When I got back to class, I talked to my professor who notified me that she was made aware by my friend of my condition and that She knew that I was hospitalized, but that I still missed assignments and a senior project deadline. She then gave me an appointment with her for three days later to have my assignments done and turned in. Mind you, at this point, I am taking 21 credit hours, and I've had to make up all of that classwork, not just for her class, but all of it. Naturally, my body was still in recovery mode and I pushed it to make these deadlines. Late nights after classes, all-nighters. So unsurprisingly, I had another crisis and I failed to complete some of my work by the deadline that I was supposed to. So I had to go back to the doctor, get notes from my hematologist explaining exactly what my body was going through. And y'all, that particular professor was not with it. She allowed me to make up the work for half the credit because the doctor's notes I provided did not state that I could not complete the work while hospitalized. Y'all heard that right. That baffled me. To her understanding, the school policy did not excuse absences unless it was made clear that I could not have completed the work even while sitting in a hospital bed. My grade went from an A to a C. And then I went through hell just to get it changed to a B. But you know what? I'll take a B over a C because that C hurt my GPA. My mind was so blown. Nevertheless, I mean, I got my grade changed. I passed my senior project and I graduated with the highest honors. So whatever she wanted to do, it ain't touched homegirl over here, okay? Unfortunately, by law school, I still hadn't learned my lesson. I had one crisis during law school that required me to actually be hospitalized. And I told one, just one of my professors. And the only reason that I even told that professor was because 
coming from the hospital, I actually did not, I'm, I'm in the middle of a crisis. I had to be hospitalized, IV, all this extra stuff. Uh, I didn't read my cases. Please do not call on me today to brief a case in the middle of this class because I will look at you like a deer in headlights, right? This particular professor allowed us to turn in a slip if we did not want to be called on in class that day. I think he only allowed us to do it like twice. And just turn in a slip, say, please don't call on me, X, Y, Z, and that was it. He wouldn't call on you. So that's the only reason why I told that professor that, hey, I have a medical condition. It's sickle cell. I just got out of the hospital. Please do not call on me. I didn't get to read my cases. And that was that. And I really should have learned from my undergraduate experience, but clearly I didn't. So then I proceeded to run out of his class like minutes before it was over because I took pain medication right before going into that class. Perseverance, right? Um, Just so that I could sit through that class and not be in total pain. And I am like, like it, the class isn't even over yet. There's probably like five minutes left. I literally bolt out to go to the restroom to throw up because my medication was just too strong. So my friends by this time have figured out what's going on. <laughs> they come get me. They're like upset with me. I'm like, seriously, why are you doing this? Um, and they take me home. And that was the last of that. This was my one L year. And uh, that was the last time thankfully, that I had to be hospitalized because of my sickle cell. And that had all to do with the support that I had from my friends, my mom, and my boyfriend because they helped me through law school. So learn from my mistakes and give notice ahead of time to the right people. Persons with sickle cell qualify for 504 plans. Section 504 is part of a federal law called the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. It allows students with medical conditions to get accommodations to help them achieve and learn better. Accommodations are changes made in the classroom to make sure that persons with medical conditions have a chance to do well in school despite an impairment that may prevent them from doing well. To be covered under Section 504, a student must be qualified. The definition of qualified varies from state to state. So it is important to check your state's disability qualifications. Under Section 504, accommodations include changes to accommodate medical needs, such as frequent restroom and water breaks, breaks during physical activity, and access to like the school nurse or offices or medical needs, and changes in the classroom and teaching, such as more time on classwork, homework, state test, sitting in a different area of the classroom, a chance to make up missed work or homework. It's important to note that Section 504 plans are typically elementary through high school. A student's 504 plan won't travel to their college, but they can still get accommodations. Again, ask for those if you need them. It can save you a lot of time, stress, and frustration. Trust me. College recognizes sickle cell as a disability. Ugh, top word. This means that if sickle cell makes it hard to follow rules that are in place for academics, the college might have to change the rules. However, 
the college only has to make reasonable changes. In college, you can ask for two types of accommodations, non-academic and academic. Non-academic accommodations help students stay healthy. They also help students make class. For example, you can ask to stay in a dorm closer to the classes that you attend, or if it's too painful or too hot to walk, then you can request a campus shuttle to take you to and from class. And you can also ask to use the elevator in buildings if you have a class that aren't that's on a higher floor and it's painful for you to go up the stairs. Academic accommodations can be more complicated. They include things like making up tests if you miss them or taking fewer classes. So for example, if you're in the hospital during a final exam, then it's reasonable to ask for you to make up the exam a few weeks after you get out the hospital and you get back on your feet, right? But you still have to take the exam. Like you can't just be like, uh, I have a disability or I have a medical condition and so I am excused from having to take this test and I can still pass this class. No sir, no ma'am, that will not work. So under federal rule 45 CFR 84, academic adjustments, that rule explains the kind of academic accommodations a college might have to give you. They are changing the amount of time the college gives you to finish your degree, taking a different course instead of a required one, changing the way a professor teaches a specific course, recording class, or changing the way you take exam. It's like allowing you to take them in another room, take more time to take them, have someone read the questions out loud to them, or use a computer or special equipment. Every single college that gets federal funding must give reasonable accommodations to students with disabilities. So first, figure out how the school wants you to ask for those accommodations that you need. To do this, contact the disability office and let the disability officer know that you're a student with a disability, and then ask what you need to do in order to get accommodations, and then follow the directions that they give you. You might have to fill out a form or write a letter, and along with those forms or letters, you also have to show proof of the disability that you have and proof that you need the accommodations because of the disability that you have. If you need a reasonable accommodation for a particular course, try asking that professor first, and then if the professor says no or gives you a hard time, then ask the disability office at your school. Going to college, honestly guys, I knew none of these things. I didn't even know that I had to tell the school's disability office anything. Like I knew I had to tell someone, but I just didn't know who. And transparency moment, I honestly, until I was hired as an orientation leader, I did not know that there was a school disability office. I didn't learn that till later. So please learn from my mistakes. As a student who didn't go through the disability office, here are some things that I did to be proactive. I had an on-campus job and I told my boss at work about my conditions so that I would not get fired in case I no-showed. Because for people who have sickle cell, you guys know that our condition comes whenever it wants, however it wants. It does what it wants. So I'm my no-show and I really need my job. So I told my boss. 
another thing that I did is I can find it in deans or influential professors that I had a connection with on a mentorship level. I explained my condition and I let my work ethic speak for itself. That way, if I ever needed someone to vouch for me that I wasn't a slacker, they were willing to do that. The other thing that I also did is when I did talk to professors about my condition, I always made sure to have something in writing that is easily traceable, aka email. So the moral of the story is it is better to be proactive about letting your institution and professors know about your conditions. Do not be shy about your condition like I was. I said it's perseverance and my hate against using my condition as an excuse, but it also was back then shyness and shame for having a condition that sometimes set me back. I've learned that I am perfectly sickled. And if you have this condition, you are too. You were born this way and it isn't anything that you did. It's nothing of your doing. If you feel like professors don't believe you, you've provided them and the school with written, traceable documentation, continue to work through and do your best. As long as their personal feelings about your truth doesn't affect your grades, don't worry about it. Do you, love? People are going to think what they want to think, and you cannot control that. So focus on what you can control. All right, guys, it is past my bedtime. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or suggestions for future conversations, please make sure to connect with me on Instagram at perfectlysickled or through email at perfectlysickled at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It will really help other people to find the podcast. Until our next conversation, bye.